Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today, we're going to be talking about the secrets to resolving conflict with your child and diffusing tension with your teenager. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I offer parent education videos every week, online courses, and coaching. And if that wasn't enough, I bring experts in on other fields onto The Impactful Parent stage to teach you even more. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Hesha Abrams. Hesha is an internationally acclaimed mediator and author. She is an expert in conflict and pragmatic solutions, and today she's going to talk about some of her innovative approaches to conflict resolution that will benefit parents in even the most complex situations. Her book, Holding the Calm, has tons of suggestions for reading um, a situation and then solving those problems and then restoring harmony. I'm excited to have Hesha as a guest today so we could all learn from her. Thank you so much for being here. So I would like to dive into your, you know, all these strategies that you have to give tidbits to our our parents. I have a lot of parents of teens and just, you know, strong-willed kids that just love button heads with us, right? Um, What are your first suggestions for how to deal with some of these power struggles that a lot of us encounter? Absolutely. And calling it a power struggle is absolutely the, the initial stage. But if you think of it as a power struggle, you're going to think of it binary. I'm the parent. I have power. I know it's best for you. You're the kid. You're either dumb or naive or unaware or don't know what you're doing. And it's my job to tell you. If you think like that, you've already lost, even though it's all true. It's absolutely all true. So I wanted to share one little story with uh, your your listeners. I have my son literally just turned 40. uh, And and so I've earned every gray hair I have. And he gave them to me. (laughs) And when he was 24, he sat me down and said, Mom, I really want to thank you. I know I was really hard to raise. It was really difficult. And you always believed in me. And I said, well, thank you for that, honey. But that's not what you should be thanking me for. He said, really? I said, you should be thanking me for letting you live. Because there were days. (laughs) It's the I brought you into this world. I could take you out kind of thing. And what happens is that when you raise intelligent, self-aware, self-created children, they're harder to raise. It's just the reality of it. If you wanted to raise dumb kids and you pound them into the ground and you make them compliant little robots, sure, it's easy. So for the parents there that are having challenges with your kids, first of all, yay you, pat yourself on the back and say, I'm a great parent because I am unfolding my child as opposed to molding my child. So now the question is, how do we do that and not, you know, get killed in the process. Not, you know, I, I joke that we have flat foreheads because we smash them against the wall so much. So what I will tell you is that if you want magic beans, I mean, absolute magic beans, validation is your friend every single time. And what happens is we're all busy. So we're doing a million things and then go clean up your room or 
no, you can't go to that party. Or we just say stuff as throwaways. That's the beginning of the power struggle. And the kids will do the same thing because they're busy. I mean, you couldn't pay me to be a teenager today. There's no way. I mean, think about how miserable and challenging and hormones are drop kicking into your body and social media and fitting in and anxiety. Oh, and by the way, school and tests and you know, coaching and all the other stuff that happens. It's, it's exhausting and difficult. So they're also going to just throw away and just, now I'm doing that mom and who are you dad? And they're going to whack you also. So that's the beginning. So the analogy I want to give everybody is spaghetti sauce. We've all cooked with it. You drop it on the counter, you take a sponge, you wipe it up. It's no big deal. You leave it overnight. You're scraping it off of the spatula. You leave it two or three or four months, it's old and moldy and gross. That's what happens with power conflicts. So, you know, you give yourself some grace. You're tired, you're cranky, you're annoyed. No, you can't go to that party. That's the spaghetti sauce. When they react harshly also, in that moment, wipe that spaghetti sauce up easily and turn to them and say, I said that kind of quickly, didn't I? And they're going to just be shocked and go, yeah, you did. Okay. Tell me why you want to go to the party. Now imagine this little conversation we're going to have is going to take three or four minutes and you're going to say, I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm late for work. I got to do all these other things. But if you have the power struggle, that's going to take days. So if you can wipe that sucker up easily, it can still be you know, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go to that party. I don't like who's going to be there. It's a school night. It's late. You've got a science project. I mean, whatever it is that you're dealing with, but it's just the simple stopping. And then there's something in corporate America and HR. It's an old thing. I didn't invent this called the sandwich technique. I just use it really well. So the sandwich technique is I've got my, you know, my, uh, my veggie burger in the middle by two big white fluffy buns. And those things are called validation. So if I want to speak to you, I've got to open your ears to hear me first. How do I get your ears to open? You know, what's really good about you? Boing, ears are totally open. That is the best sentence time you can ever have. You know what I really like about you? May I offer you a compliment? You know, I was so pleased with how you handled that. I have a bunch of them in the book. It's so simple, these sentence stems. Memorize them, say them. Then you say the information. No, you've got homework. No, you can't go out with that thing. No, you know, you can't do this or whatever. Cause it's usually no, you can't is normally where the power struggle happens, right? And then don't make it an open face sandwich. Make it an enriched bun on the other side too. And you're very mature how you're handling this. I know you're incredibly disappointed and I know you want it. and you probably think it's unfair, don't you? Yeah, I know. I think I would think it was unfair if I were you too. But I'm very proud of you for how you're handling it, or you're staying so calm, or you're being so respectful. You know what I really like about you? You handle things really well. You know what I really am proud of you for? You're able to hear no and not act out over it. You know what I really admire about you? blah, 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 blah. Trust me, that little piece, I use that on CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies and my teenagers. And guess what? <laughs> it works. <laughs>
I love that. What a wonderful suggestion. The sandwich technique. It's it's a perfect way to describe validation, which was your first tip to us is that validation is the key. So thank you. That's amazing. Now, I know a lot of other parents also struggle a lot with kids that have anger management issues. Yeah. I mean, it, especially I feel, I don't know what it is, but a lot of kids just don't know how to deal with their emotions. And then the emotion that primarily comes out is that angry kid and that angry kid that just won't calm down. Right. So again, we're stuck. How do you help that kind of parent? So never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down. And yet, isn't that what we do? To our friend, to our boss, not to our boss probably, but to our coworker, to our neighbor, to our kid, to our parent, just take a breath, calm down. It's the worst thing you can do. Because what happens is that we've got these two little kidney-shaped organs at the top of our brainstem, and they're called the amygdala. It's the fight or flight, fear, negativity center in the body. And what happens is that all conflict comes from a place of feeling powerless. So I'm going to tell you to calm down. All I'm doing is saying, you're powerless. I got the power. You got none. So if you make someone feel powerless, they're going to act out worse. That's what's going to happen. So would you like another quick, easy technique. Yes, please. Okay. And that's the reason I wrote this book is that some, you don't need to get a PhD in this. You don't need to take some master class or get some certification. You just need to have some tools. And I like to use the analogy that we were cavemen and cave women shoving food into our mouths. Well, here's a fork, here's a knife, here's a spoon, here's chopsticks. You know, what do you want to use and how do you want to use it? And so what I really literally created something for my seven-year-old grandson. And now I use it with other people and I'll tell you how we do it. I call it dinosauring it out. So what happens is that when you get angry and upset, when you feel sad, when you have uh, fear, anxiety, all these big emotions, when it happens, the amygdala gets triggered and you feel like I'm going to die. Like there's no way out of this black tunnel. I will be in here forever for the rest of my life and I'm going to die. That's the intensity of the feeling. And for teenagers, God bless them. It's even worse because they haven't lived long enough to know the boyfriend broke up with you or you didn't make the team or you got a bad grade and life will go on. They're learning that at this stage. And so it's really quite devastating. And what happens is the sympathetic nervous system goes, meow and goes absolutely crazy. So what I do is you take your hand, uh, since we're videoing this, we can show it, bend your hand, squeeze your nails into the little fatty part of your, of your, um, your what is this, your palm, oh. right? So squeeze, so you can see I've got like little lines there, squeeze hard, it's like a little pinch. Like, you know, your grandmother would say like, pinch yourself, you can also pinch yourself. What it does is it creates a sensory overload that contradicts the other big feelings. Now it may not take it away, but it shifts the focus and attention from I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm gonna die, or I'm gonna just punch someone into, okay, I've got some control because I have shifted my sympathetic nervous system. And what I did with a seven-year-old is I called it dinosauring it out. 
what I would do with a older teenager is I'd say monster truck it out or dance it out or whatever is going to appeal to your kid. And so what it does is that in like, look, what does this take? Three seconds. Then the next one is how am I going to label it something different so I can make the neuroscience in my brain, all of the wonderful things scientists are shoving us into MRIs and mapping all kinds of cool stuff in there. By labeling something, you drain 50% of the poison out of it because you don't get to that edge of I'm going to die or I'm going to you know, punch a hole in the wall. And so being able to then pull it back and go, I am so angry. I can see that you're really angry. Do you want some, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> do you want some help with that? Sometimes I go, no, leave me alone. You know what's really good about you? You're handling that really well. I'm really proud of you handling such big emotions. And it's hard. It's really hard. And then depending on your kid and if they like to be touched or don't like to be touched, what I trained my kids into doing is some level of touch. I spin them around. You can take your hands and rub up and down their back and in their arms. Again, we're hitting the sympathetic nervous system. So you're literally doing this to just, I'm so angry, but I'm getting, I'm getting petted, but I'm still so angry, but I'm getting petted or I'm getting spun around. So we can have another perspective and another way of looking at that. I do a little pinch. Those kinds of things take less than a minute, but what it does is it shifts them out of the reality of I'm out of control. Okay, maybe I can be back in control. And then what you're doing is you're training your kids to say, like a lion tamer, you've got a whip and you've got a chair and there's a lion, but you're training them, I can help you. I'm not the enemy here. I can help you. And I also want to say to parents here, just listening, I am 64 years old. I've run four successful businesses. I've been a lawyer for 35 years. I've done a lot. My resume is long and involved. And you want to know the hardest job I've ever done in my life? Be a parent. Absolutely. So give yourself a little grace. You're going to make 10,000 decisions this year and only 9,000 have to be right. That means you can make a thousand wrong decisions and it's going to be okay. So when you give yourself some grace, they get to have some grace too. They get a chance to fail and be okay. They get a chance to say, I feel my feelings. I wanted to go to that party or you're unfair. I know it feels that way. And I really admire you for being able to handle it. That's one of the things I admire most about you is your inner strength and your wisdom. Even when you don't get what you want, I think you know it's the right thing. I really admire that about you. It's magic, listeners. It's magic. Does the validation and some of these techniques you're teaching us right now, does that work well with that kid that is just like you, that you just butt heads with all the time because they are just like you. And I know parents out there that have a kid that just like them, they know exactly who I'm talking about. Yes. Um, is Do you recommend continuing the validation or is there some other tip that you would would like to suggest? Well, it depends. You know, if they're just like you, then you know what you would want. You know, you know how you would want to be react, you'd want to be reacted to. So I usually divide it up into does someone want validation or do they want respect? Do they want to be loved? Do they want to be honored? 
that happens as adults. Well, it starts as children. And you can really see it once they're like kids. They don't even have to be teens anymore. So ask yourself, look at your child when it's calm or when they're sleeping and think to yourself, what does my kid need the most? Does he or she need to be validated? Do they need to be respected? Do they need to be loved? Do they need to be heard? Do they need to be seen? Actually, and I'll tell you, it's hard because a lot, most of us are going to say, I don't know. That's the question then to ask yourself and look at your kid, really see that. I mean, you know, if your kid likes vanilla ice cream versus mint chocolate chip, right? What is it that they need at their core? And once you identify that, start giving it to them. And for some people, it's a big, I'm going to give it to you as a big, huge thing. For others, it's the slow IV drip. That's okay. You know your kid. Is your kid an introvert or an extrovert? You know, what sets your kid off? What sets you off? So the beauty is that when the kid is just like you, it's actually a little easier because you know what sets you off. When your kid is the opposite of you, it's a little harder because then you're scrambling. How do I get through to you? What do I do? So don't. Let's say they don't want to talk to you. Let's do an advanced course here for a moment. I'm not talking to you. You don't understand. You're stupid. You don't ever listen to me. My friends know more than you do. I mean, all standard garbage that, you know, everybody says. Oh yeah. We all know about a teenager who doesn't want to listen. And so it gets really frustrating because we want to help. And then it's shut down. That's right. And when they're shut down, what they're really saying is respect my space, respect my space. Now, some want you to reach out to them. Some just want you to respect it. So you got to know your kid. So you really actually look at your kid and think the next couple of days, diagnose your kid. I mean, think about, um, you know, there's a bomb left in the town square and that Michelin guy, you know, waddles out. He doesn't just start cutting wires. He looks, he diagnoses. What is it? What's the pressure switch? What sets him off? What happens? So really diagnose what's going on. Then you'll know and you'll be able to say, I know you're really frustrated. You want me to give you some space now? How about when you're done and you feel a little better, you want to make some popcorn and watch a movie? Or you and I go out for ice cream? Or how about you and I sit down and work on whatever together? They can go, no. And then just start coming out of the room like, okay, can we do something? It, and just remember, we treat them as if they're little people and they're not, they're chemistry experiments. Testosterone is one of the most powerful drugs known to human, humankind. And it's drop kicking into your son's body. Estrogen is like a crazy dragon that women, full-fledged women have to learn how to ride it both in our, our, um, our uh, menstruation cycles. And then once we get into menopause cycles, we got to learn how to ride that dragon. And these poor girls are just being thrown on top of a bunking bronco with social media and boys and school and pressure and all the other nonsense too. So if you keep all of that in mind, it lets you take a step back and say, okay, I, I am going to do servant leadership here. Doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. Doesn't mean you aren't strict. I was a very strict parent, you know, very strict. Um, and I will tell your listeners one more thing that's funny. I used to do something called, cause I'm a mediator, right? So I've been doing this 35 years did something called peace chairs. So when my son and my daughter would fight with each other, I would bring out these little special chairs. I would make them sit in it. 
and listen to each other and do what's called reflective feedback, where you have to mirror back what the other person says to really hear them. And it would take like 15 minutes and they hated it, but I made them do it. And so what would happen is they'd fight. I go, that's it. I'm getting out the peace chairs. And they go, no, 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 no. We love each other. We love each other. We love each other. <laughs> so <laughs> from my perspective, point. it still worked <laughs> and it stopped the fight. <laughs> and now I have adult children with like really good skill sets. <laughs> that's right. Hesha, there is a lot of parents who just don't know what to do. And so then we have to kick in our creativity and go, how do we solve this problem? So how do we become creative when we don't know what the, how to do the solution? That's wonderful. So let me share with you a story I heard on Hidden Brain. And it was absolutely magnificent because it talks about this exact concept. We, one of the chapters in the book I have is called Creating Small Winnable Victories. Small little tiny victories hit the dopamine reception in the brain. So you're like the chicken in there whacking the lever to get a pellet out of the machine. And our kids are that way and so are we that way. That's that dopamine receptor you know, in the brain. And so it was a company that sold $20,000 bespoke customized couches. You'd pick the fabric, you pick the size, you pick the piping. I mean, 20 grand for a couch. And a lot of people would go through it on the computer and at the last minute, not complete the sale. So the company thought, okay, you kind of put gas on, in the car. You got to go faster, more sales, more promotion, more advertising, more celebrities. Didn't change it. So finally, somebody said, okay, let's put the brakes on it. When you got a car, you put a gas or you put in brakes. So they pulled it back. They hired someone to interview people at the point of sale. Why did they not complete the sale? And you know, the number one overwhelming reason for people that could afford a $20,000 couch? What was it? They didn't know what to do with their old couch. Solution is now easy, right? When you buy your new one, we'll take away your old one. Sales skyrocketed. So when we talk about being creative, you've got a problem with a kid or a teacher or a neighbor or whatever. When we say be creative, it's kind of like saying, draw, paint, oh, it's not the way it works. So look at it and say, am I putting gas on the problem or do I need to put a break on a problem? And there's a guy named Daniel Kahneman who is actually a psychologist, but won a Nobel prize in economics for proving that the vast, vast, vast majority of people don't really want to win. They just don't want to lose. So when you get into a situation and you feel like you're in a power struggle or you feel like you're in a conflict, instead of trying to think how the other person's trying to win or be right, think about how the other person is trying not to lose. It will completely change how you think about it. That is so powerful, especially if you're dealing with teenagers who want to not lose so badly because they're trying to, you know, assert that independence and be their own person. And that that's a game changer idea. Good. What about that child that cries about everything? Yeah. Super sensitive kids that yeah. just, it yeah. just seems like there's always drama, always yeah. drama in the house. And, you know, you're, you're trying to navigate that as a parent to not trickle out to, you know, the other siblings and, and to move on with your day. How do you support a kid that's just in shambles all the time, it feels like. So think about that kid is pretty miserable. 
Think about what it would be like if that were you and you were filled with that high intensity of emotionality that you were riding that bucking Bronco all the time. That would be terrifying because you can't get control of yourself. So you have to look at your kid. What does that kid need? And being able to say uh, to yourself, how can I support that kid? So sometimes it's with boundaries. There's a time how we're about to go into church or we're about to go to synagogue or about to go do something. It's time to buck up. You know, we can, we can put our emotions in a box and put them over here and deal with them later. Or you teach them a breathing technique or you teach them dinosauring it out. Or you teach them how to stand on your toes and drop down, stand on your toes and drop down. So they have some kind of physicality to help them get a hold of themselves. And if it's big, legitimate stuff, okay, we, it's time for us to sit and emote and talk about our feelings and figure out what we're going to do. Okay. And there's times and places where I'm late for work or you got to get to school or, 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 and we don't have the time for this. So you train your kid when they're calm that these are the boundaries this is how it's going to work. And if this happens and we can't, let's agree on a code word that we're going to say that puts it in a box and we'll deal with it after school. And very often they'll come home from school and you'll say, well, you want to talk about what? And they go, what, what, what? <laughs> There's no issue anymore. Because <laughs> often it's like a fast fry, you know, and then it just burns itself up. So that's why these are, you know, the, in, in all of these are different techniques to use for your particular kid, but then also everything here also is going to work with neighbors and at work. And because the person who couldn't handle their emotions at nine doesn't do so much better at 29 and that's your coworker, right? Or the kid's teacher or a neighbor. Actually, that brings me to my last question for you. And that is that co-parent that you struggle with. And there's so many co-parents, whether you're still married and you butt heads because maybe you have different parenting styles or you're divorced and you're truly co-parenting with somebody who you just don't get along with much anymore. What tips do you have for those poor parents who just, just pull their hair out because they're, they're fighting with another adult? Very hard. So what I would suggest to you is that you don't involve the child in that and you don't debate with the other person because you won't win. You're not gonna, you didn't convince them when you were married. You sure as heck are not gonna convince them if you're divorced, right? That's just not gonna happen. So you say to the kids, the rules in my house are mine. The rules in your dad's house are your dad's. I can explain to you my rules and why, why I think it'll keep you safe. It'll keep you strong. It'll keep you happy. It'll help you prepare for a good life. But these are the rules in our family, and this is what we do. And kids are very adaptable. They will learn. They basically bifurcate, and they'll learn this is what happens in mom's house. This is what happens in dad's house. And if one parent tries to be the friend and not be a parent, I'm telling you, everybody, kids not going to respect them. They're not. They may enjoy pizza every single night for a while or going to parties and doing wild stuff. You know, the problem is if it's on, you know, dad's night and dad lets him go to a dangerous party, you know, unless you get a court order, you're kind of stuck. So you should start training your teen to how calm you are, how helpful you are, what's good about you type things. Because, you know, sunflowers are my favorite flower because they're heliotropic, which means you plant them any direction and they will turn toward the sun. 
I think that we as human beings are lovotropic. We will turn toward the warmth of love. And the love is either validation, respect, admiration, love, all that you know, same stuff comes in the same package. We will turn toward that. So love is not, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm gonna make you lunch. Love is I'm a calm, balanced adult that is stable and here for you. And I will explain my reasons and you can tell me I'm unfair and wrong, but it's in their head now. They'll know, they'll understand. And that teaches them when they make a bad mistake, my mom was right, my dad was right. I don't want them to be right, but it will stick in their head. And how do you develop good judgment? By having bad judgment. So how do you allow the kids to develop and evolve? They got to fall flat on their tushes and make mistakes. That's just sort of the nature of it. So if you stop the fight with the ex, um, and even within, a, even within a family, and just these are my rules, and this is how it has to be, there's no third-party warfare that we know those kids are going to manipulate. They'll manipulate the adults. You just refuse to play that game. That's, that's just the, it's about um, winning. It's literally about what is looking for the win. What is the win that you can do? And if you can't on certain things, you surrender and accept it because fighting is only going to make everything worse. And I know that sounds like a panacea because I deal with real live horrible cases, very difficulty. And I know that there's times you'll say, but I can't do that. Okay, choose your battles, choose the hill that you want to fight on. That's okay, but it shouldn't be every hill and it shouldn't be every day. Otherwise you're going to be in agony and in misery all the time. And then you won't be a stable, wise influence that your kid can come to when they have trouble, which is really how you earn their respect. And I can tell you, having been there, done that. And I wish, I wish I had the wisdom I have now when I was raising my kids, <laughs> it, would, it would have been a lot easier. Unfortunately, you gain wisdom as you get older, you're just more tired, you know? <laughs> so it's the cycle just repeats itself. <laughs> but you have a plethora of wisdom to share with us. And I am so grateful for that. Uh, I would love to hear about your book. So tell us what will we find if we go and grab it? Yeah, so here I happen to have a copy of my book. But what I did is I've made 10,000 speeches in life. And people are always saying, you got to write a book, you got to write a book. Who had time to write a book? I work all the time. And I had a hysterectomy two and a half years ago. And you know, knock on wood, everything was fine. But I was grounded for six weeks. And the book poured out of me because I know how to handle things. I have a fork and a knife and a spoon and a chopstick and 20 other tools. And people are always asking me for advice. And I said, okay, this has to be available to everybody. This, it's not fair. This should be taught in schools. People should be taught this, but we're not. So we don't know. We try one thing, it doesn't work. And then, oh, you know, and it's misery and horribleness. So you can get it on Amazon. Um, I have a holdingthecalm.com website and uh, I have all kinds of free stuff on there. Tons of podcasts and interviews and articles. And I'm starting to do little one minute tips. And so because of your podcast, Christina, I'm going to start doing some on some parenting things where it's one minute. So you can do it, maybe watch it with your kid, um, send it to somebody else if you want to, and it's free. You just go online and just sign up for it. I don't sell the list. I don't do any of that. I mean, this this book really is a public service for me because I have a day job. 
So this was really about letting people know, and I wanted to make it simple and paperback and easy. You can read it an hour and a half. So it's quick that, okay, I can do something tomorrow that is better. And everything I've been talking about here is really chapter one in the book, which is speak into the ears that are hearing you. And I have a whole bunch of techniques and other things in there to find out more about your kid. Like one of the things you'll want to know is your kid a visual, auditory, or kinesthetic learner. I bet most people don't know that yet. It's like, do I have an iPhone or an Android? Completely different operating systems. You want to know, is, and you want to know for yourself, what am I? Am I visual? Am I auditory? Am I kinesthetic? It's really easy to figure out. And so things like that. So then you speak into the ears that are hearing you. You can adapt your message. And then you sandwich it with some nice fluffy buns. <laughs> so I always say to everybody, go do good things. That's what, it, if you like the ideas I have here in the book, give it to other people, take my stories, use them. I mean, I'm giving them away, take them, use them because our brain thinks in stories. Think of the Torah, the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Buddhist Dharmasalas, the, um, uh, the Holy, the Quran, all holy texts of all religions all speak in stories and icons because that's how our brain receives information. So think about this, this interview I've done with you. I've used so many analogies. What appeals to you? What works for you as a listener? The wet spaghetti sauce, the couch, the fluffy bun. What's going to resonate with you? What's going to resonate with your kid? Figure out what will resonate with your kid. And if you've got like a jock athlete kid, Sports analogies, life is easy. You've got, you know, a girl that's into, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to use gender specific stuff. So I want to say, I should say a girl that's into sports and jock and a guy that's into cooking, you know, whatever is important to them, those are the analogies you use. And so what you're doing is it's not about just getting it right. It's about seeing them and they feel seen. And that's my little theory about if you ask in the olden days, you would ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? A fireman, a policewoman, you know, a, a scientist, an astronaut. What happens when you ask kids now what they want to be when they grow up? I want to be rich. I want to be famous, right? Most famous people are miserable. Most rich people are miserable. So it's not about a happy life. But I think kids, because of social media being so pervasive and so really inundated in our lives, they want to be seen. But what's underneath that is they want to be validated. That's why I'm really saying this validation stuff I've been teaching, it's the magic beans. It really is. And can you imagine what our schools would be like if every single kid was looked at for what they were good at as opposed to what they were bad at? It would completely change the trajectory of their lives. And of what they did. And you as a parent can do that. And I would urge everyone listening, sit down the next day or two and write a list about what's good about your kid. What do you admire about them? And speak to that. Bring that forth. I do that when I'm mediating a multi-billion dollar dispute between the big titans of industry. And I got some guy just going at me like this. I look at him and I think, what's good about him? And I speak to that. It melts the iceberg. I'm telling you, the stuff is magic. It works. Thank you so much, Hesha. Make sure that you guys go out and check out her book. I'm, it's amazing. 
Holding the Calm, available on Amazon. And I just want to go also go to your website. Can you say the website one more time? Oh, sure. It's just holdingthecalm.com. So it's calm, C-A-L-M, holdingthecalm.com. And it's at Amazon. It's at, you know, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold type of a thing. And uh, I really hope it's going to really, well, I'm being told it is very helpful. It is really helping people. So I hope your listeners will gain some benefit from it and make life a little easier because life is hard and we need, we need to catch every break we can get. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Parenting is hard enough as it is. We need all the tools for our toolbox as in humanly possible to help us navigate through this crazy journey. So thank you so much, Hesha, for being on today. I really appreciate you. My pleasure, everybody. Have a good day. I hope today's episode brought value to you. And if you would like to become a more impactful parent, download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free to download and full of episodes just like this one to help you in your parenting journey. So carry help and tips and parenting resources right in your pocket so you can refer to them whenever you need it most. Plus, when you download the Impactful Parent app, you are also joining a community of like-minded parents that also want to be the best parent they can for their child. So download the app for free and discover new techniques to make your parenting more effective. Get parenting resources to make your life easier and then track your progress to help you become more accountable. It's all about intentionally intentionalizing your parenting and the ability to interact with other parents and even me through the app. All of this and so much more is literally right in your pocket once you download the app. So download it today. You got nothing to lose. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and discover how you can step up your parenting game and become a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.